The following program is intended for mature audiences. Welcome to the podcast. This is Rudy's Revelation. It's Sunday, August 1st, 2021. This week I'll be talking about what people call social conservatism and also social liberalism, or what is actually classicalism or romanticism or even indeed traditionalism and progressivism. We'll also be talking back to the Sunny Talking Heads on CBS Face the Nation where John Dickerson interviews Dr. Sharon Alroy Priest, the director of Israel's Public Health Services, who says officials saw evidence of vaccine ineffectiveness in preventing and limiting disease. We'll also be checking in on Sunday Morning Propaganda at our favorite feel-good feature news program, CBS Sunday Morning, where correspondent David Martin talked with former Army Colonel and NSC staffer Alexander Vindman who sought to bring charges of illegality against President Trump for a phone call Trump had with Ukrainian leader. Also be tearing into the Sunday New York Times, showing how the newspaper continually mischaracterizes the facts to mislead the public. Of course, I'll be going over the weekend headlines all in the next 30 minutes. But first, I'll be taking you back to school, giving you some historical context to frames this week's news narratives. All right, the word of the day is classicalism adherence to traditional standards as of simplicity restraint and proportion that are universally and enduringly valid and this is where you start to get the term conflated with social conservatism which is also known as traditionalism and actually social liberalism is more like romanticism Adherence to a romantic attitude or style. Romantic is defined as having no basis in fact, imaginary three, impractical in conception or plan, visionary for a, marked by the imaginative or emotional appeal of what is heroic, adventurous, remote, mysterious, or idealized be often capitalized, of, relating to, or having the characteristics of romanticism. Or virtue being virtuous. Now the problem is, what are the differences between Romanticism and Classicalism? Well, we just heard what the definitions are, but Classicalism relies on on reason, Romanticism stress on inner life and emotion, and most importantly, where you get conservatives believing in 
and classicalism is objectivity, while romanticism is subjectivity, while liberals, and especially postmodern liberals, tend to insist on so subjectivity over objectivity. Classicalism and romanticism is often used to characterize art. Now, we all know that conservatives believe in smaller government, less regulation, and most services to be provided by the private sector in a free market in a literal interpre interpretation of the Constitution. While liberal prefer more regulation and services like free universal health care to be provided by the government to all citizens. Conservative means you want smaller government. It's an economic term on the economic axes of a political spectrum or scale. Liberal means you want your government to spend more, preferably on the people, and to spend more they need to raise more revenue. That's conservative versus liberal. If you're talking social, you must use the terms like traditional and progressive. Conservative and liberal is not a social term. The case is liberalism believes in a larger government that provides more services, that the government is more liberal with its spending. And here from the Heritage Foundation, three big differences between conservatives and progressives, which aren't opposite terms. Conservatism and liberalism are opposites. Progressivism and traditionalism are opposites or antonyms. And even the Heritage Foundation gets it wrong. What's the big difference between a conservative and a progressive? Understanding liberalism and conservatism. Factmyth.com. When the political system was vertically integrated, you had the king on top and all the serfs on the bottom. You had all the order, the totalitarianism, the authoritarianism on the top with the king. And with the people, there was more anarchy. And so that was a vertically integrated, uh, integrated system when polit politics revolved around a, a monarchical system. Conservatism, they say, the ideology of authority, hierarchy, and order, and tradition, like classic aristocracy, classical aristocracy, yes, it's classical conservatism was the aristocracy. So it's classical conservatism, which is the aristocracy. There's no classical aristocracy. So here they get it wrong also. So they're conflating these economic terms of conservatism and liberalism in the, in the current political climate, and especially in Western, free, democratic Western countries. Liberalism is economic liberalism. Classical liberalism is like present-day libertarianism. Traditionalism, the adherence to traditional views or practices, especially with regard uh, to cultural and religious matters. The continuation of theological rituals on the basis of the ritual that has been completed rather than the ritual of manifestation of theology, a philosophical system which makes tradition and supreme criterion of rule of certitude the doctrine that human reason is of itself radically unable to know with certainty any truth or at least the fundamental truths of metaphysical, moral, and religious order morals, traditionalism, which was classical conservatism, and progressivism, a political ideology that favors progress towards better conditions in society. So I, here I have a hierarchical 
uh, pyramid, king on top, nobles, lords, knights, vassals, merchants, farmers, trades, craftsmen, and then at the bottom, peasants and serfs. Now, you have to understand that the nobles, lords, knights, and vassals, merchants, farmers, and tradesmen, when democracy came to being in the uh, advent of parliament, that most people who opposed the king were considered progressive or romantic, which is the current left, but vertically integrated, it was on the bottom, and it was classical liberalism. You wanted more rights for the people and let, you know, well, what it was was sovereignty is sharing sovereignty. So if you look at liberty, it doesn't mean freedom as much as it means equality with a sovereign. So in a vertically integrated system, you had the king on top. You had the Tories, traditionalists, or conservatives that wanted less for the peasants and serfs. Liberalism was the revolution of the merchant class against the aristocracy and the monarchy. So that was the advent of classical liberalism against the Tory or classical conservatives in a vertically integrated system, which at that time, conservatives, yes, were more authoritarian because they want, they supported the monarchy. Okay, conservatives now, on, on, in the present political scale, conservatives now aren't more authoritarian than liberals. That is a myth. They just want less government. So how could you want less government and more authority? You could have people on the right who are more authoritarian. You have fascism. But you also have more authoritarians on the left. The political compass, authoritarian on the top, liberalism on the bottom, economic, leftism, liberalism, and economic conservatism on the right. And on to the weekend headlines from BBC News, Hong Kong, first person jailed under security law given nine years. So a Hong Kong man has been sentenced to nine years in prison after he rode a motorbike into police officers while flying a flag with a protest slogan. From Military.com, Biden orders military to move toward mandatory COVID vaccine. This is from the 29th of July by Stephen Lousy. President Joe Biden on Thursday said he had ordered the military to start taking steps toward making COVID-19 vaccine mandatory for uniform service members. From the Associated Press, robotic police dogs, useful hounds, or dehumanizing machines. While we know it is the latter, a handful of police officials experimented with four-legged machines say they're just another tool like existing drones and simply-wheeled robots to keep emergency responders out of harm's way as they scout for danger. But privacy watchdogs, the humankind, warn the police are secretly rushing to buy the robots without first setting safeguards against aggressive, invasive, and dehumanizing uses. Part of the robot takeover. Capitol Police order to arrest staff and visitors not wearing masks after new house mandates. Police are directed to report members of Congress who are unmasked. Also, this is directly from the desk of Nancy Pelosi. From the Los Angeles Times, as violent crime surges, California's faith in gun control slips in new poll. So what happens as lawlessness surges, um, people are, you know, and the police budget is cut, people are relying uh, more on themselves for protection, and now they see the necessity of having gun rights. From the Wall Street Journal, CDC says new mask guidelines informed by Cape Cod outbreak vaccinated people infected by Delta variant appeared to carry as much virus as those in unvaccinated cases. From the Associated Press, Berlin protesters decry coronavirus measures 600 detained. 
Thousands turned out in Berlin on Sunday to protest the German government's anti-coronavirus measures despite a ban on these gatherings leading to clashes with police and detentions of some 600 protesters. Local authorities had banned several different protests this weekend, including one from the Stuttgart Gays Querdenker movement, but protesters in Berlin defied the ban. Defied the ban, excuse me. From NBC Washington, unidentified noise keeping Sutland residents up at night. Again, this is the uh, purge siren, but this time in Maryland, the purge siren, the purge siren was um, going off late at night, keeping residents up. Um, so I don't know what the connection is, but this happened uh, a few months ago, almost a year ago in Louisiana, where the purge siren was being used. Now, you can draw your own conclusions from that, but does any, if anybody doesn't know, a purge is when you have a revolution, uh, especially of socialist sorts, and what you do is you kill all the people that are against what you're doing. It's called a purge. It is based on the reign of terror after the French Revolution, where anybody who was against the revolution uh, had their head cut off in a guillotine. And here's the article from uh, April of last year from The Hill. Louisiana police use siren reminiscent of the purge to announce coronavirus curfew. From France 24, YouTube suspends Sky News Australia channel. Now, people didn't know Sky News on Australia is a conservative channel, and they cover a lot of great news. If you have a chance to subscribe to them, uh, you should. Um, it's just an anti-leftist uh, political take. YouTube said Sunday it had barred Sky News Australia from uploading new content for one week, citing concerns about COVID-19 misinformation. Again, that's how I got kicked off YouTube is COVID-19 misinformation. And when we'll see exactly that the people that are misinforming the public are actually the news services and the medical community. This is from the Washington Post. Opinions, vaccine mandates will backfire. People will resist even more. That is already happening. And I'll tell you, if someone tries to sell me something, I'm less inclined to buy it. From the Associated Press, ammunition shells bear as U.S. gun sales continue to soar. Uh, we just mentioned this uh, previously. This is an article by Martha Belisle. Now there's a shortage of ammunition again uh, impacting law enforcement agencies. Uh, but people are seeking personal protection. Um, because of the lawlessness, because you defund the police, and then with these uh, law enforcement strategies that you're letting dangerous criminals back out into the street to cause chaos. They, they did the same thing in the color revolutions. They emptied the jails, and um, basically what happened, it caused chaos in the streets, and then you get uh, law enforcement overreacting, and then you have a revolution. This is from the New York Times. Uh, to fight vaccine lies, authorities recruit an army of influencers. The White House has teamed up with TikTok stars while some states are paying local micro-influencers for pro-vaccine campaigns. Of course, if anybody survives this, they're not going to be able to get away with it. So everyone's got to get it. That way, everybody's in the same boat. You don't have half the population dissenting because they're still not sick. So if everyone's sick, there's nothing you could do. Game over. From the Hill, Miss Debt Ceiling Deadline Kicks Off High Stakes Fight. The legal limit on how much 
debt the U.S. government can owe was reimposed Sunday, kicking off high-stakes battle over federal spending with dire implications for global financial markets. A two-year deal to suspend the debt ceiling lapsed at midnight. Following inaction from Congress and President Biden to give the U.S. more borrowing authority, they're already spending ballistically. Um, we're in a lot of trouble. Like I always like to mention when you talk about debt, um, there's certain thing you have to realize is that we spend over $500 billion annually just on debt service. From AFP, Kitchen Robot in Riga, that's Latvia, cooks up new future for fast food. So part of the robot revolution, uh, the robot takeover, now you're having uh, robot cooks. You got robot reporters, robot bartenders. Um, they're not going to let you work, and then they're just going to usher in robots to do all the service jobs and because they'll just say it's safer. Robots don't spread disease. From the Associated Press, vaccinated people can carry as much virus as others. And from the Dallas Morning News, U.S. sues Texas over Abbott's order restricting transport of migrants. So the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, uh, passed a law to restrict the transportation of migrants who had been previously been detained by the Federal Immigration Authority. So basically he's not allowing these Catholic charities to and other groups to transport um, people who are here illegally, uh, migrants that are here illegally, transport them all over the country. Um, and in some cases, unaccompanied children. Again, from the Dallas Morning News, explicit, explicit anti-Biden signs in front of man's home or grapevine neighborhood. Similar signs have popped up across the country, and in some cases, disputes over the language end up in court. So basically, it's freedom of speech. You can have lawn signs. You can't have them on um, city property, but you can have them on your property. But what the problem is when it comes into things that are obscene, like if you use the F word, uh, and this guy had an F Biden, a big sign, um, they could probably regulate that, but they can't regulate any other kinds of signs. If it's not profane, um, you can usually get away with, with saying anything. So I would probably stick, you know, steer away from using profanity for long signs, but uh, if you really want it, if that's your expressive, and it is a, um, a First Amendment issue because you're expressing yourself. If you want to say fuck Biden, you could say fuck Biden. We turn to the New York Times, and I just wanted to show you, uh, they had a big cover story, who are the unvaccinated in America? And I just wanted to go into the pages here and show you they have a bunch of, um, they have pictures of people who are unvaccinated, and in the caption it kind of tells you why they were unvaccinated. First story up, a fire in Minnesota, an, an arrest in Mexico, cameras everywhere one night, in the Twin Cities, shortly after the killing of George Floyd, someone set fire to a goodwill. That led to an international search for the culprits and exposed a growing system of global surveillance. So this is an article from the New York Times, basically about um, two leftists that set fires during a George uh, Floyd protest in Minneapolis. And they were obviously pursued and tracked by law enforcement, especially during the Trump administration, but what they try to, you know, evade the questions of, of, of guilt by masking it in this fact that whether it's fair that 
facial recognition technology in Mexico is a fair way to catch people that flee the country. So these two people, uh, Mena Youssef and Joseph Phelan, um, the story is basically they started a fire during this protest and then they knew they were being sought by federal authorities. They fled the country. And so they were tracked by uh, different types of digital surveillance, including pigging their phone. And then they used facial recognition. And the New York Times argues how it doesn't really work and, and what have you. But they were found in Mexico. And Mexico has a system uh, by the world's leading uh, producers of facial recognition systems, which is a Chinese company. So the Chinese company isn't allowed to sell their wares here in the United States, but they were to Mexico. And basically... Uh, that those cameras, this technology was used to find these two arsonists. And um, it's really, you should read the article because it's really chilling to see how uh, this system works and basically who's running most of the technological systems um, that are used to track people are coming out of China. So from the New York Times, Biden, Republicans, the pandemic blame game, GOP resistance to public health measures has helped fuel COVID's resurgence, but the president can be left to clean up the mess. Um, this article was basically about how pub, uh, Republicans are resisting the authoritarian uh, takeover uh, through the medical martial law. And and so they changed the headline a little bit and they put some of the blame on Biden um, which he, he could be a scapegoat because he's an old doddering man. And then they always blame things and in incompetence when it was actually done on purpose. Next article, Trump has built war chests of more than a hundred million in the first half of 2021. The former president raised far more money online than any other Republican federal records show, but his team claimed they had raised more than he actually did. Well, when this article was first reported, it was 50 million and then it went up to a hundred million. Because they, you know, obviously the Trump team was challenging the reporting of the New York Times. Police in China detained Canadian pop star in suspicion of rape. Chris Wu, a 30-year-old celebrity, is the most prominent figure in China to be held over Me Too allegations. So they're trying to soft uh, the Chinese Communist Party stance by saying, look, they're, you know, they're helping women. Probably not Uyghur women. It feels like we're just waiting to die. Hong Kong student, Hong Kong targets student unions. And it's not really Hong Kong that's targeting the student unions. It's the Chinese Communist Party that took over Hong Kong last year under the guise of coronavirus. So the coronavirus was really launched, if people didn't know, to stop the uh, protests in Hong Kong. And um, it went global and had obvious other benefits, including getting rid of Trump. The, the authorities there, the Chinese Communist Party, are clamping down on university, which they consider hotbeds for unrest. The group says they're fighting for survival. Obviously. Already distorted in January 6th, GOP now concocts entire counter-narrative. In the Republicans' disinformation campaign, the arrested Capitol rioters are political prisoners, and Speaker Nancy Pelosi is to blame for the attack. Um, this is, 
this is exactly why I read the New York Times because this this is actually true. So the Capitol rioters are political prisoners because they're still being held without bail for trespassing, most for simple trespass. You know, some for destruction of property and vandalism. But let's be ridiculous. They're political prisoners because they attacked a a party, a political party, with, uh, you know, they had political grievances, and they were put in prison. Rattled Republican lawmakers knew exactly who was to blame. Donald Trump, loyal allies, began turning on him. Top Republicans vowed to make a full break from his divisive tactics and dishonesties. Even some discussed removing him from office. Yep. It's not a coup, though. You know, they talk about coups, and uh, this is exactly a great segue. What if there wasn't a coup plot? Now, this is the um, the Sunday Review at the New York Times, which are the opinion pieces from the week. And here is about one about General Milley. What if there wasn't a coup plot? This is a guest essay by Christopher Caldwell. Mr. Caldwell is a contributing opinion writer and author of The Age of Entitlement, America Since the 60s, and Reflections of the Revolution in Europe, Immigration, Islam, and the West. So the question has arisen because the Washington Post reporter is Carol Lenig, who just wrote a book, and Philip Rucker reported in their book, I alone can fix it, that General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, saw the president's post-election maneuvers in that light. General Milley has no direct evidence of a coup plot, but in the days after Mr. Trump's electoral defeat, as the president filled top military intelligence posts with people the general considered loyal (laughs) mediocrities, General Milley got nervous. They may try. You can't do this without the military, went on. You can't do this without the CIA and the FBI. We're the guys with the guns. General Milley's musing should give us pause. Americans have not usually looked to the military for help in regulating their civilian politics. And there is some grandiose about General Milley's conception of his place in government. You represent the stability of this republic. If there was not a coup underway, then General Milley's comments may be cause more for worry than relief right the coup was was committed by the people that stole the election and then ringed the capitol building when the public was upset about a stolen election ringed the capitol building with razor wire and troops now that sounds like people that commit a coup that's what they do so donald trump didn't commit a coup he was going to resist the coup and that's why there were musings about physically removing him from office. Okay, we're going to leave you with the talking heads. Um, first up is the Israeli Israeli doctor, Sharon Alroy Priest, who's the director of the Israel's Public Health Services, who admits here in this thing, now we see on alternative media that actually the rate of infection among vaccinated people is 75%. Here they talk about it as being 50, but they also say that the people are getting severely ill and dying, even people who have been fully vaccinated. So let's listen in. Increased severe uh, and critical condition, um, hospitalization with severe and critical conditions among the 60 and above population who are fully immunized. We are seeing uh, about 50% of the people who are infected right now um, are vaccinated, fully vaccinated individuals. The vaccine effectiveness against disease is roughly 40%. We are seeing 
diminished protection, especially for people who have been vaccinated earlier. So we see a drop um, in, uh, in the vaccine effectiveness against disease uh, for those who have been um, in, uh, vaccinated early on. And we see it for both elderly people over the age of 60, but also for younger. Uh, but also the evidence that we have increased severe uh, and critical condition um, in, in hospitalization with severe and critical conditions among the 60 and above population who are fully immunized. So it's not, it's not just the fact that we're seeing more disease, but they're getting to severe and critical conditions. Those who are vaccinated being capable of spreading. We're trying to um, introduce back what we call the green pass, which means people can go into events uh, with a certificate that they have been vaccinated. Vaccinated individuals can infect others. We know that can, they can be infected. We see them, they're 50% of the uh, confirmed cases on a daily basis. Just to make it abundantly clear, those you, you found that there is some very small amount of those who've been vaccinated who can spread, but it's quite small. There is a spread among household contacts. But if we take household contacts out of the equation, the, 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 the risk of, of confirmed case who is vaccinated to infect others is about uh, 10%. <laughs> yeah, if you take out home spread, and they already said that the coronavirus was spread mostly in close uh, indoor confines with repeated exposure, which... Um, would make family members or people you live with very vulnerable. Okay, we're going to leave you with, um, of course, the heroic colonel or ex-colonel Alexander Vindman who tried to bring down President Trump um, with his, you know, really treasonous behavior. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. Alexander had been very insubordinate. But we may know him best for his most recent role in the Trump White House. The president will be impeached. It is therefore ordered and adjudged that the said Donald John Trump be, and he is hereby acquitted of the charges in said articles. I was the driving force behind this whole thing. I'm, I'm getting some chills thinking about it right now. Splendid in his army uniform, he was the star. I'm, I'm getting some chills thinking about it right now. This is America. Freedom. Then he runs off to the lawyer, the same lawyer who said in January of 2017 the coup has started against President Trump. Outright treason. Alexander became an infantry officer and earned a Purple Heart in Iraq. Well, what were your injuries? I took shrapnel, um, which I still have uh, in my leg. <coughs> Chairman Dunford in introduced me as, uh, you know, of Ukrainian origin. Grossmov joked that, uh, that no wonder relations between the U.S. and Russia are so bad. There was no collusion at all. Alexander took notes as Trump held his now infamous phone call with the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky. He was um, reluctantly conducting this phone call, and only when they came around to this discussion of um, the Bidens, discussion of um, the Bidens, did he, did he kind of engage and perk up. According to the transcript, Trump asked Zelensky to do us a favor, open an investigation into then-Democratic candidate Joe Biden and his son Hunter's dealings in Ukraine. Discussion of um, the Bidens. I go straight upstairs into the legal suite, and my twin brother's office is almost as soon as you walk in. I go in, close the door, and I tell him, Eugene, 
if what I'm about to tell you becomes public, the president will be impeached. Then he runs off to the lawyer, the same lawyer who said in January of 2017, the coup has started against President Trump. Democratic majority in the House voted to impeach. It is therefore ordered and adjudged that the said Donald John Trump be, and he is hereby acquitted of the charges in said articles. But the Republican majority in the Senate voted to acquit. And the Vindman twins were banished from the White House. The Senate trial ends, I believe, on a Wednesday. I was let go on Friday. And they fired your brother? They fired my brother for good measure. We were in the middle of an enemy camp. Outright treason. The commander-in-chief tweeted that Alexander had been very insubordinate. I'm not happy with him. You think I'm supposed to be happy with him? I'm not. Senior officers privately warned him. He had no future in the Army. The best I could expect to do is to ride out a career as a colonel. And I was deeply concerned about you know, uh, taking care of my family, meeting my family's needs. For much of this country, the impeachment of President Trump was a political circus. Then he runs off to the lawyer, the same lawyer who said in January of 2017, the coup has started against President Trump. You think I'm supposed to be happy with him? I'm not. Discussion of um, the Bidens. Yeah, man, there he goes, a traitor that tried to impeach the president, and um, that president fired him. Why wouldn't he? All right, that's it for me. We'll see you next week. Who's Revelation? Check me out, Facebook, Twitter. And now my minds.